The Three Men of Three John, Part 2, from uh, 3 John, verses 9 to 13. So we continue our short letter series. Now, last week we looked at the first part of 3 John, and uh, I gave a background to the situation addressed in this letter. The three men of 3 John are Gaius, Diotrephes, and Demetrius. We spoke about Gaius last week, to whom the letter is addressed, and what a fine chap he was. John commended him and the believers there for holding fast to the truth and doing so with a loving attitude. Now, most of these Christians strove to make the gospel a reality in their lives through the way that they treated each other. But not everything was great in this church. Why? Because there was an influential person there named Diotrephes, who is our second man from the three men in John, in three John. You get it. You will have noticed that this letter is brief, it is simple and down to earth. It's also interesting that there, are, there isn't a single direct reference to Jesus Christ. But it teaches us very simple and very profound Christian truth that our lives are shaped, are often shaped by the people whose examples we follow. So whose example will you follow is a question that should be in the back of our minds this morning. First of all, a bad example from verses 9 to 10. I wrote to the church, but Theotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. And he also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. In this day and age, you will probably understand and appreciate that we need to be extra careful how we write letters and send emails and the stuff that we put online. Many times we agonise. What is the best way to address a difficult situation when you have to write a difficult letter? What he's telling here is that the apostle of love doesn't seem, doesn't appear to be mincing his words in his condemnation of this man. And even as he does so, he is not acting outside of love. Even when he rebukes Diotrephes by name. He's short and sweet and to the point. It's not just John, Jesus was the same. On the whole, you will find that the Bible is direct, it is black and white, especially when it comes to say what needs to be said. The clear command of the Scriptures from Romans sixteen seventeen is this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have, you have learned. Keep away 
from them. Diotrephes would have to be the first example of the New Testament of what a church dictator looks like. We could have called him Stalin, Chairman Mao, any other name really. Someone who tries to run the church his way or the highway. He could have been the pastor, he could have been an elder, or someone, certainly someone with a leadership ministry responsibility, a leadership position within the church. He probably thought that his role was that of telling everybody else in the church what to do. Today, we might excuse his behaviour as a, as a, as, as just the way he is. Uh, a character trait or, a, or, a, or maybe a, a psychological personality disorder. Most times, of course, it is sinful behaviour, but not always. Sometimes it can be a misunderstanding or a miscommunication or, or simply a wrong perception, of course. We can't dismiss that. There was a young, there's a story of a young woman who um, wanted to see her pastor to talk to him about a, a sin which worried her. And when she saw him, she said, Pastor, I have become aware of a sin in my life which I cannot control. Every time I'm at church, I begin to look around at the other women and I realize that I am the prettiest one in the whole of the congregation. None of the others can compare to my beauty. What can I do about this sin? And the pastor replied, Mary, which was her name, says, Mary, that's not a sin. Why, that's just a mistake. One thing we can be sure of is that in 3 John... The elder John calls out Diotrephes, who was guilty of five particular wrong and sinful attitudes and actions. This wasn't a problem of perception. It wasn't a problem of misunderstanding or miscommunication. So let's look at these as they are presented in the text in Scripture for us and and in an order of, of seriousness, I suppose we could say. Firstly, what is the problem? He loves to be first. The most serious problem Diotrephes had was that he loved to be first, which is a dead giveaway that he was acting out in the flesh and not out of the spirit. Here is a man who pushes his way to the front of every line. He doesn't simply want to be first, he has to be first. And he will do anything to get in the driver's seat. If you asked him, what do you call someone who comes second in a race, he would say you would call him a loser. And this is, of course, the, the, the original and, and, and the greatest of all sins. It is the sin of Satan who was unwilling to, to be what God had created him to be. 
Isaiah tells us that Satan desire to be like the Most High. Isaiah 14.14 It is opposite, it is opposite to the nature of Christ. And what was the nature of Christ like? Well, we see that in Philippians chapter 2. Who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself what? Something? Nothing. Made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant. It is unfortunate, but there are many like diotrophies in our churches today. They're always characterized by this attitude. I want the glory. I want to be there first. Secondly, he rebelled against spiritual authority. What did he do? He says, it will not welcome us. Other versions uh, are a little bit closer to the to what the text says in the ESV says does not acknowledge our authority now just put your head around just put your head around who John the apostle is one of the original 12 the apostle whom Jesus loved he is the last living figure who walked with our lord throughout his earthly ministry. John is the one who will write five books and letters under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which is why the New Testament is so authoritative to us. And before, before writing to Gaius, who is part of this church, before writing to Gaius, he actually wrote to this church, but his letter was rejected, he was not welcome and, and, and he wasn't circulated because of, you know who, Diotrephes. Even when he was an apostle of Christ, that was not enough for Diotrephes, who wants nothing to do with him. I don't care who you are, you're not coming here. And it wouldn't surprise me if he had the chance, he would have done the same thing if Jesus himself had turned up to church. Thirdly, what else did he do wrong? He slandered the apostle, spreading malicious nonsense about us, or as the NASB says, uh, unjustly accusing us with wicked words. It is, of course, only natural and, and, and typical behaviour that one who refuses to submit to authority would then seek to justify their behaviour by gossip, through gossip and slander, in this case, against the apostle himself. Of course, slander doesn't have to be obvious. Most times it is very subtly disguised. And we get pretty good at it. Like the clever door-to-door salesman who 
was very good at selling things. He, was, he, was, he closed hundreds of sales with this line. He said um, when he went to one house, a door knock, the, the days of the door-to-door salesman, right? It used to be vacuum cleaners and other stuff. Let me show you something several of your neighbours said you couldn't afford. Very clever, isn't it? In church, we tend to be a little bit even more subtle than that. I don't want you to tell anyone about so-and-so, so please just, whatever I'm about to tell you, just keep it as a matter for prayer. You heard that one? Maybe you've used it yourself. Please be very careful. Fourthly, he was ungracious. He even refuses to welcome other believers or, or, or brothers. What, what was wrong here? He refused to welcome to his church because that was his corral. That was, he refused to welcome to his church those traveling teachers and evangelists who went about from place to place speaking the truth of God. The Otrophies would have nothing to do with them. He turned them away and refused to allow them to speak in the church. That's how powerful he was. Lastly, he abused his authority. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Now, of course, when you give somebody responsibility, you have to give them the authority. But that goes without saying. That it, and every leader has a certain amount of authority that comes with their position. However, in this case, power got to his head and he kicked out of the church, out of the fellowship, anyone who disagreed with him. He not only objected to those who came from outside but he objected to those who would have received them. So it's one thing to do evil yourself, but it jumps to another level when you oppose those who wish to do good. So he used people to to build or protect his power base and if you didn't go along with him, he would force you out. Playing politics. Politics doesn't happen in churches, right? Hmm. And probably this was under the pretense, it was under the pretense of keeping the church pure. This unfortunately has been one of the curses of the church ever since because of this tendency to refuse fellowship to someone who doesn't think like you, who, with whom you don't agree with 100%, who might have a different theological or doctrinal position on a certain matter. We spoke about this. Or it, it, it could be today, it could be a different political position. It's an us and them. And because of this, he turns out to be, the Otrophist just turns out to be just as, as, as evil as the false teachers that John warned us about in his second letter. 
So how does this happen? How is this allowed to happen? The spirit of Diotrephes arises in our churches because we want unity above all things. But unity cannot be above truth and unity cannot be above sin. Have you noticed something that is missing here? Remember how in 2 John, in the second letter of John, we spoke of the fact that doctrine was a real issue, truth was an issue? But John doesn't condemn Diotrephes because of wrong doctrine or because he doesn't believe, um, he doesn't have the right theology. That is not an issue. I'm actually pretty sure that this character, Diotrephes, would sign the church statement of faith and would probably even be memorised, probably would have memorised the 39 articles. If you don't know what that is, look it up. So he was, to the point, he was very good in doctrine. Except there were other issues that it was very wrong about. And the spirit of Diotrephes arises when godly people refuse to confront evil attitudes when it raises its head. We all, in this, especially in this day and age, when everybody gets offended very easily, we all think that being loving means being tolerant, nice, cuddly, no matter what they do, and accepting of all behaviour. Truth is, no church can survive when the spirit of Diotrephes prevails within the, the fellowship. That is why it has to be called out, as John does. And John calls him out by name. And that's something that even I as a pastor, if I see a colleague of mine falling out of line, I can't even do that. I have, I'm not able to do that as part of my um, behaviour as a pastor of a church. But John does it. He's allowed to call people by name and say, mate, you're doing wrong here. I have about 20 pages um, as part of my denominational um, acceptance that I need to comply by. And one of them is not mentioning any names, even of those people who are doing wrong. See how well we got? It's the world we live in. And it's sad. But what does a good example look like? We can focus on the bad examples, but we don't want to focus on those. We want to look at the good examples. Verses 11 to 12, dear friend, 
Do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. So so John is basically telling Gaius, whatever you do, don't be like Diotrephes. There are better, more godly examples out there and here is one. And which brings us to our last man named Demetrius, which happens to be my father's name as well. Unless it be a, unless this is a remarkable miracle of the Holy Spirit, the Demetrius here is different to the one that uh, gave the Apostle Paul so much grief in the city of Ephesus. And uh, you can read about that in Acts chapter 19. That Demetrius was a silversmith and, and made a living making idols for the temple of Artemis. And because of the preaching of the gospel and people getting converted, his business was going, it was beginning to suffer. And so what did he do? He started causing trouble for Paul and incited a riot. And that scenario has been repeated in history so many times ever since. Well, if it is that same Demetrius and and he had been converted, what an amazing, wonderful testimony to the power of God it would be. And it has happened. But we are not sure if it is, if it's the story here. Otherwise, we know very little about him. But everything we do know is positive. Here is a man with a good reputation. Highly likely, Demetrius was the bearer of this letter, the one who took it, to Gaius and was probably one of those missionaries who would go travelling from city to city, from church to church. And the way he lived his life spoke volumes about his faith. As John says in verse 12, Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone. That, that expression there in, in the book of Acts as the early church was selecting deacons, They were looking for men with honest report, and it's the same Greek word here. Men whose lives were a good witness. And and Demetrius obviously stands in sharp contrast with Diotrephes, who was a bad witness. And and we know that well-known phrase, don't we? Um, Actions speak louder than words, happen to be true for both Diotrephes and Demetrius but only one had the respect of the people and the elder John. We could say that Demetrius was above reproach, a character so strong that no accusation made against him can stand. And also John says that the truth itself bore witness to Demetrius' good character, grounded in the truth to the point that the truth itself could speak on his behalf. That's, that's about as, as good as it gets, isn't it? His life was consistent with his character and his moral standing of God's word. 
rather than being domineering like Diotrephes, Demetrius was a humble servant. To top it off, he goes highly recommended by John who added his reputation to Demetrius's godly character. What a great recommendation that would have been. If a man walks with God, other leaders, other godly leaders will certainly acknowledge the fact as well. We all need good examples and particularly those people in, of influence who are, they can display, they can show, they can live out, they should live out what a good example looks like. This story comes from uh, 1865, just towards the end of the American Civil War. One Sunday morning in 1865, a black man entered a, a fashionable upmarket church in Richmond, Virginia. And when communion was served, he walked down the aisle and knelt at the altar, this black man. And a rustle of resentment swept through this congregation. Mostly whites, right? All white. How dare he? After all the believers in the church, you know, they all used the common cup. And suddenly a distinguished layman stood up, stepped forward to the altar and knelt beside the black man. The distinguished man was none other than the commander of the Confederate Army during the American Civil War, Robert E. Lee, the armies of the South. And with him setting the example, the rest of the congregation soon followed his lead and accepted the black man. That's how much... Examples and influence is important, isn't it? And lastly, desire peace from verses 13 to 14. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Notice how this, this, this final greeting in, in 3 John is very similar to the final greeting in 2 John. And, and, and we can again sympathise with John's preference for personal, face-to-face, one-on-one communication rather than through the writing of letters. And like I said then and I'm saying now, we are thankful that John was forced to write so that we can have a record of this letter of 3 John. We don't have a record of that letter that he previously wrote to the church, unfortunately. And even though this letter is about contention and conflict, it gives us an idea of what life in the church, even from its very inception, has been like. And unfortunately has been like, for the next 2,000 years until Christ comes. But John appropriately ends the letter with a desire for peace. And as Christians, we can 
and should have a sense of peace. Even in difficult days and difficult times. Christians have the resources in Jesus Christ to have the peace even in unsettled seasons. And no, I know you're going to be disappointed to hear this, but there is no such, there's no such thing as a perfect church. And if you are looking for a perfect church, don't come to this one. Or don't go to that one, because the moment you go there, you'll, you'll spoil it. It used to be perfect until you turned up. There are no perfect people. All of us instinctively need to be reminded. We, we know this, we know this, but we need to be reminded of it from time to time. And the spirit of Diotrephes is alive and well today. But so is the power of the Holy Spirit in the transformation of human lives. Men like Gaius and Demetrius. So let me ask you again, which example will you follow? Are you simply going to be focusing on the bad examples around? The challenge that John lays before each of us is to follow the example of godliness, which we see in the lives of so many around us. Simply open your eyes. And most of us, If we open our eyes wide enough, we'll find godly examples. But most of all, we are to follow the example of Christ Jesus, who is the way, the truth and the life. The one who came to give his life to show us what it is to serve and to humble ourselves. So as we conclude part two and our study of three John, let me ask, if John had written a letter in which your name was mentioned, what would he have said about you and me? If he wrote to a church at Liverpool, would he have prayed for your prosperity? And I've explained that word in our previous message. Would he have condemned your desire for prominence? Or would he have mentioned you and used you as a pattern for others to follow? See, our desire should be to walk in the truth, walk in love, like Gaius, and, 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 and have a great testimony from all, like this dear brother Demetrius. May God give us the strength to follow the greatest example of all, Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen.